luxury is a service, not a price point. So whether you're a CEO or a celebrity or a contractor or a school teacher, everyone gets the same VIP service. It's not about what your price is. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent. Rate My Agent is not just for collecting reviews. It's a suite of powerful tools and features designed to help improve your online reputation and visibility while making it easier for new prospects to find you and reach out. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 373 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend or two. Today, we're headed uh, to Northern California, East Bay, Piedmont, if you want to be precise. And we're going to be talking to Debbie DiMaggio. Debbie and her husband formed the DiMaggio Beta Group. They're a part of the Corcoran Icon Brokerage in Northern California. And boy, she's doing a lot. I mean, she's been an agent now for over 30 years. She has written books, multiple books. She's a coach, a mentor. She has just a wonderful take on how to handle customers and clients. And she has a wonderful way of talking about relationships and their importance. She's really into marketing as well. We got a lot to talk about. So let's get this thing started. Debbie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. You have a very interesting story. You're doing so much stuff in the world of real estate. I you know, hope we have time for everything <laughs> to get it all in there. But, <laughs> but I always start at the beginning with my guests. And so for you, I want to talk to you about growing up in the East Bay, right? I know you're, I think you're born in Piedmont. And that's for most people, that's going to be a city, a little town that they don't know about. So what should listeners know about your part of Northern California? Because it's, it's super close to the city, but it, it's way different right? It's very different. So a lot of people, so when we go on vacation, for instance, and you're meeting people and you're talking about where are you from? I usually start with San Francisco because people don't really know our little town. So then they're like, oh, I know, you know, I know whatever an area around there. I know San Francisco where, and I say, well, the East Bay near Oakland and Berkeley. And I said, it's a town next to that. If if we get further, then I'll say it's Piedmont. It's it's a, it's a, up in the Oakland Hills and it's surrounded by Oakland, but we have our own, it's our own town. There are only 10,000, 11,000 people, 4,000 structures. We have our own police, fire, community center, one little store, three elementary schools, one middle school and one high school and our real estate office. And other than that, it's we don't shop. Obviously, we don't shop in town. We don't have anything. So we sur- we shop in uh, Oakland, Berkeley, San Francisco. And we are 20 minutes from San Francisco. And where I live, I actually look out to the Bay Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, the Marin Bridge, Mount Tam, Alcatraz, Angel Island. So there's a lot of significant places, uh, historic places, significant places I look out to from my home. Wow. I, I like to ask this question as well. Biggest misconception about the Bay Area? Yeah, well, <laughs> right now Oakland hasn't had a great name <laughs> lately, but uh, there, I think there's been a lot of crime in a lot of different places. But when you live in Piedmont, you know you're also shopping, and you're you know you're right next to Oakland. And Oakland is a huge Oakland. I always compare Oakland to if you're on the East Coast, that's like covers four states on the East Coast. Oakland is very vast. Yeah. So 
that. I'll give you an example. I had a client come in years ago and she's like, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not looking in Oakland. I'm not looking in Oakland. And the Relo person kept saying, you've got to open up your search. The very first day I toured her Oakland, she was like, wow, this is Oakland. Beautiful homes. I mean, multi-million dollar homes, beautiful trees, beautiful views. You know, there's all the different little areas, Crocker Highlands, Upper Rockridge, Claremont Pines. She was like, wow, this is Oakland. And I said, yes, Oakland is very large. So when she saw it, we I think we put in an offer that very day. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I think I think that the East Bay, you know, compared to the peninsula, right? It's just, it's so different. And uh, there's there's diversity like you wouldn't imagine. I think it's just just incredible. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny. I, so I grew up in San Diego and I when I found out you lived in the Oakland Hills, I just, I want to ask you about this because in San Diego, we had the Santa Ana winds that would just show up in the fall. It's it's winds that would come over the, out of the desert, over the mountains and be offshore winds, you know, in San Diego that were really super heated. And it was this dry heat and and we had some you know, fires that kicked up and, you know, out in the East County that would go through the mountains, do some damage. But there was something that happened for you. And I think you call them Diablo winds. But were you in Piedmont during that time when the Oakland Hills had that issue? Yes. So I was living in San Francisco, just over the bridge. Mm -hmm. And I I was working at Union Square. And I remember step looking outside and the sky was black. I mean, not I couldn't see the sky, but the the air and area around me was just, it was low, but it was black. And so I wasn't, my mom and dad were still in Piedmont at the time. Mm -hmm. And they packed up their belongings, even though it was Oakland, not, it wasn't far. It was, but it did hop a freeway, but it, the weirdest thing is I grew up in Piedmont, but I wasn't in real estate at the time. So when it happened, it didn't touch Piedmont, but it touched, you know, the Claremont resort, almost the Claremont resort. They saved it down the street, but, and a lot of other areas close by, but I, when it was, when the whole town, the whole area, the Oakland Hills was completely burned down a part of it. I never saw it after I never drove through it or I never, I didn't realize it was that close to Piedmont. And, but that, so in you were talking about your Santa Ana wind. So I don't, I don't know if we have a name specifically for it, but in October, that's when we get these dry, hot winds that you get and not always, but it's scary. It's, It's, and you know, the eucalyptus trees all came down where we live now in the Oakland Berkeley Hills, this whole community was gone and it's been rebuilt since the fire. Wow. Yeah, it's it's something you just kind of dread. It's so scary. I mean, and you see there's at the bottom of my hill, there's a sign and it says low, you know, fire hazard, low, yeah. medium, high. Yeah. And when you when you start to feel that hot and the the breeze the wind now, you just all of a sudden you start to just you, you, get, you clam up. You're just like, oh, please, please don't make this happen. And then I don't know about you. We, I mean, I grew up here. I grew up in Piedmont all my life. And and so I am used to it, but clients aren't so used to it. We have, we have earthquakes, you know, they happen all the time. Now, knock on wood, we haven't had any big ones lately, but we're used to like, you'll be sitting there watching TV and you're like, oh, did you feel that? Or, you know, you kind of get used to them. I, again, I was 
wasn't here. I was living in LA at the time. We had the big Loma Prieta earthquake mm-hmm. up here where part of the Bay Bridge came down. Yep. Uh, my parents were at their office and they were under their desk and I was actually in LA. So I missed that as well. That was probably the biggest one that I, in my lifetime, but that, you know, a lot buyers come and they're, they ask about that. And I always say, well, if you're from, let's say Florida or other places where they have hurricanes, they live through massive tornadoes and hurricanes and all these different places and flooding. We were on vacation in Miami and South Beach during Hurricane Charlie. I'd never experienced such a thing. I was actually in awe. I was very intrigued by the whole thing. And everyone was coming into the Ritz Carlton where we were staying to kind of hunker down. But these people experience this all the time. So yes, we get a few earthquakes here and there. And yes, you, you know, there's a few fires here and there, but there's things happening around the world. It's, yeah. you know, nowhere's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That's right. It, it, when I grew up in San Diego and you just got used to it, you just knew it was there. It was fall part of the game. And it's part of living yeah. in, in a state that's just like has amazing weather <laughs> and uh, everything you could ever need. Yeah. So it's, it's part of the cost. Exactly. Yeah, that, that earthquake was during the World Series. I remember direct, I was watching the World Series and that thing started shaking. And and that brings me to this next question I want to ask you because I'm a baseball fan. And okay. when I saw your name and I saw what part of the country you lived in, I went, she has got to be related to Jolton Joe. Because, I mean, it's, it's just you're in that area. You're right there. So exactly. are you related to Joe DiMaggio? Yes, we are. So DiMaggio is my ma- is my maiden name. I mm-hmm. kept DiMaggio and we are related. Joe DiMaggio and my grandfather my grandfather and Joe DiMaggio's grandfather were first cousins. So okay. we're 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 I'm probably a third cousin, but I always like to say that makes me related to Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> that's true too. That's yeah. I think that's really cool. I mean, that's a that's a that is a name, you know, for anyone. You don't even have to be a sports fan. It just instantly goes, really, DiMaggio. Wow, that's awesome. And I just happen to know that you know he was he grew up in the Bay Area and that's where he, you know, I played his got his game going and before he headed off to the Yankees. So that's very cool. All right. I'll leave that alone. I could talk about that forever. <laughs> so, but I, I want to ask you this question. Real estate is very rarely, when I talk to a guest, it's very rarely their first career, right? They, it's it, There are a few people and generally it was this family thing that kind of they, they grew up with it. So they continued. What was your path to the world of real estate? What did that look like? Yeah. So I always knew all my life I wanted to do something. And the only thing I knew I did not want to do was real estate. So (laughs) my because my father was a syndicator, he would buy and sell properties, he was putting partnerships together. He he was always again, there were no cell phones, you know, Mm -hmm. sixty years ago. Mm -hmm. So he was always on the phone, always working, tied to that phone, tied to his meetings. You know, he did have shopping centers and a lot of things. And so, and I was always dragged up to the shopping centers after school, like to go meet with the managers. And I was like, oh, this is the only thing I don't want to do. So I knew that. So then I kind of thought maybe a lawyer. And then I was like, no, I don't think that's, I don't like the system. So then I was living in LA and I worked for a couple of magazines and I learned early on, it seemed like it was delayed, but it was, oh, I was probably 25 and I was working for, I worked for LA magazine. Then I worked for California home and design magazine. And I wanted to be promoted from classified sales to display ads. And I remember the manager saying I was too young and I wasn't ready. And it just, it made me mad. <laughs> and so I quit. I was like, I don't like having a boss. I like working hard. 
So I ended up getting my real estate license just to try it out. And because uh, I wanted to be my own boss, I got a job right away, I think because of the name DiMaggio, the manager's name was Maggio. I was brand new. I was like 25, 26 years old, but I was working in Hancock Park in LA and I was young and I didn't really, I didn't know, have any roots there. So I ended up moving to Northern California, got into lending for a very short time, didn't like that. And then I worked as a fragrance model and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then a friend of my husband's who I've been working with Adam for 35 years now, he, his friend said, I think Debbie would be really good in rentals. So I started in San Francisco doing rentals and it was fast and you were meeting new people all the time and it, people weren't so committed to the rental because they weren't buying it. And there were so many people coming into San Francisco and a lot of relocation business. So I got connected with the relocation. I was doing rentals like so many so fast. Mm -hmm. There was no Craig's, no Craigslist at the time. So we were representing the owners and the tenants and it was good money. And I'm like, I like this. I can work really hard. I can, you know, no boss. And so then my husband, Adam ended up coming into the rental business with me. And then we started a rental company within a firm. And then when we moved over to Piedmont, and that wasn't planned, but we, my dad had a hand in that. We moved over to Piedmont from San Francisco to raise our first child. And then our second was on the way. And then we got into residential sales. Okay. And I said, I'll go part-time while I was watching, you know, my kids. And then I was like, I need to go full-time. I need to, I just need to work. And so I just kind of went from there. So I was pretty young, I guess. I was like 29, 30 when I started. And mm-hmm. in in sales, I was about 30, yeah. Okay. The result is the DiMaggio Beta Group, right? Which is um, exactly. a, a family affair. It's you, Adam. And my son. Yeah. My son just, it was a COVID fallout. Chase joined us. He was going to go back after he went to school in Boulder. My daughter went to school in Boulder and then Chase was going to move back after COVID. And then he got his license while he was waiting for COVID to finish up. And once he passed his test, he decided to stay. And we never asked him to, we, we didn't want to, you know, force the children to do what they didn't want to do. We wanted them to find their own way. And he decided to work with us and we were so excited and he it's, it's been amazing. He's been so helpful and, and he's young and, and he's techie and he fixes things that you, we call, a handyman to fix something. And he's like, Oh no, mom, don't call. I'll look on YouTube and we'll figure it out. Wow. And and he it sounds like he has that drive mom had at about the same age. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Yeah. You you're now you're part of a Corcoran real estate icon. I think that's yeah. the name of the Corcoran icon. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, yeah. So you're part of Corcoran icon. How did you, how did that relationship come together? Sure. So in the downturn of two, eight, 209, we started a firm called Highland Partners with my husband, Adam, and our partner, Heidi Marcosotti. So there was an opportunity. An office wasn't doing well in Piedmont and beautiful location, but it wasn't being managed properly. So we took that over and we completely gutted it and rebranded it. And so we started Highland Partners. People were like, don't you know it's a recession and you're starting a new company? And we said, well, we wouldn't have a chance and the opportunity, you know, in a, in a higher market. So 
we started it, did very well. And then when my kids left for college, I was very depressed with the empty nest. I, cause we did, we were working all the time, but we also went to every activity, every sport. We were very involved with the kids. So when what Bianca left and Chase left, I was like, oh my God, who am I now? What am I going to do other than just sell real estate? So, and I don't golf. So I was like, I don't have that hobby. I always say I don't golf. So I started going to LA to build my business there and so I wanted to have an office that was the same brand. So I wanted whatever office was there that was up there that I could, you know, one card, one business card, one company. So one of my friends started working with Corcoran and he says, they're under your same umbrella. Would you speak with us? So long and the short of it, it was a good fit. And so, and I've always loved the brand, the Corcoran brand, you know, Barbara Corcoran started Corcoran. And when my daughter was six years old, we went to the New York office and they gave us a tour of these beautiful flats with beautiful views of Central Park. It was amazing. But so I've always, I've always loved their brand. And so we ended up, it ended up after a year of negotiation, we merged with them and it was it's been really great. They have a really really great company. I just spoke at their marketing on the marketing panel. I spoke at our conference, our national conference and met so many wonderful agents from around the country, well around the globe. They're we are outside of outside of the United States as well. And I was one of the five speakers on marketing and it was really really a great experience and it was in Nashville, Tennessee. I had never been. It was a very cool place. Yeah, that's oh that Broadway is amazing. <laughs> so that's yeah. good. Nashville's a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. I mean, look, that Corcoran brand, you know, luxury brand. So those kind of, I'm sure that conference is important every year for you to just keep those referral relationships strong, right? Because generally speaking, your clients are going to own more than one property. So it's going to be important. Yeah, that's, I think that's awesome. We are just actually, so from, there were five of us on the marketing panel. I met many great agents, but there were five of us that were obviously really dynamic. And one of the gals I referred to my client here in Oakland, because she has a house in Southampton she's selling. So in September, we went to Southampton. I referred her, my client, and we're now in escrow. That's so great. just it's the importance of referrals, I just like to point out. Yeah, it's, so, the, it's the relationship part of the business, which is really what you preach. It's who you are. It's how you handle your clients. Let's Let's talk about, I think it's called the VIP philosophy, right? That you and mm-hmm. Adam embrace. What is that? What does that mean? Yeah, I was just writing that down today because I'm going to have one of my team members speak about the VIP philosophy and the importance of all of our service providers, all of the people on our team, all of the people that are auxiliary to our team. First of all, it takes a village. Second of all, we treat everyone like a VIP, whether they're a plumber, an electrician, a carpet cleaner. They're all on our team. We need all these different people, a designer, a stager. We need so many people to help us be successful in our business. I mean, we get clients calling all the time. Do you have a roofer? Let me connect you directly. Do you have X, Y, Z? So we treat everyone kindly. So they'll come for us, come for our client. We're only as good as the the team that we have. That also goes for clients. Luxury is a service, not a price point. So whether you're a CEO or a celebrity or a contractor or a school teacher, everyone gets the same VIP service. It's not about what your price is. People will say, 
And we came up with that tagline because people would say, oh, you only do luxury. I say, yes, we like, we do luxury, but we also, we just sold a house. I mean, we're in a higher end area than a lot of, you know, we just sold a house for like, you know, 600 and 800,000. We'll sell them for 8 million too, but we're also servicing, you know, other people. Those other clients will also move up or have clients. You never know where the referral is going to come from. A gardener could have a very high-end referral. So, yeah. you know, you want to treat everyone the same. Yeah, I think that's great. I think I think people think different things about luxury agents. And what you're saying there is, no, we're, it's the same thing that everyone in real estate should be doing. Take care of the people that you're working with. Provide exemplary service. That works all the time for everybody, right? Yeah, so. Exactly. We're, you're, you're a coach, you're a mentor, an author many times over, <laughs> talk about that. And you have you know, agents and connections all around the country. One of the things I, I found out about you is that you, you talk about positioning first-time buyers for success. I think that's a really interesting topic. And I've always been a fan of agents who think about and work with first-time homebuyers because it's, it's such a massive step, one of the biggest things they're ever going to do in their lives. So I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit, maybe the main points of that strategy. Sure. Okay. So the first thing is, this is not what they do every day. So my son was showing, was about to write an offer for these first time home buyers. And they, even though he explained every component of it, they got really overwhelmed. So I said, let me write a blog for you that you can give to every first time home buyer. And so, and I will share that with you so you can share with your guests. But basically you need to deconstruct the deal, right? First of all, the very first thing is you need to set them up with a mortgage broker who can meet where they are, not someone to send out a email and say, fill this out. You need to have someone, I have my mortgage people who will sit down and review things with them, the financing process. So that's number one. And and I always say it's never too early to begin the conversation. So let's say they're not ready to buy for six months or a year. Meet with the mortgage broker now. He can help you, he or she can help you with your credit score. He will help you understand the financing process so you're not overwhelmed when the time comes because it's a, you know, it's a big amount of money you're putting down. So you need to feel really comfortable with the financing part. And then we go on to explain what a contingency is, a financing contingency, an appraisal contingency, a home inspection contingency. What in our, in California, we have, well, Northern California, we have title companies who's the neutral third party. I know in New York, it's very different. Attorneys write the deals here. The agents write the deals. So, you know, people, if if they're not from California, they think, well, do I need an attorney? No, you don't need an attorney here. We have the title company as the neutral third party. So we break down the whole deal. We talk about close of escrow when the money, when they'll sign, when they'll actually get the keys to the house. We'll talk about a home warranty. You know, we go into all the nuts and bolts to make sure that they're completely comfortable. Yeah. We're recording this episode in December. Yeah. And and one of the trainings you created, when as soon as I saw the title, and this is just me being goofy, but that age, that there was a certain holiday special where the winter warlock had to learn how to change his ways. And (laughs) which was basically putting one foot in front of the other. But that is one of your trainings. Let's talk about that. How does that, this is uh, agent driven. This is to help them, right? Yes. Yes. This is for agents. So agents, they put up so many blocks that 
they get so overwhelmed. So when I meet with an agent and I have a training program, Foundation for Success, right now you can go to coachwithdebbie.com. So it's it's a course that talks about the five platforms of, of marketing. And I go through each one with the agents, but they they get a, they oh i'm too busy or i don't have time or that's hard or how you know they just put so many blocks in front of them it does make me a little crazy but so i just say just put one foot in front of the air in front of the other just do a little bit at a time let's say we're going to get you set up on all your social media platforms let's go audit it let's make sure your name your cell phone is on it. Your DRE number is on it. Make sure they can get in touch. Make sure it says realtor. You know, we need to make sure people know who you are. Let's just audit your all your social media to make sure it's consistent. And let's just do that. And then maybe I say post once a day or a couple times a week. Just, you know, put it on your calendar. Put one foot in front of the other. Put it on your calendar. I'm going to do this Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. You know, I just try to get them to do baby steps and not to be overwhelmed. And if they have questions, they can call me. But people just get so overwhelmed that they don't do anything. It's just a fear, you know, like oh, yeah. I'm going to be able to make this go all the way through. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's great. I love that. I mentioned you're an author. You you've written four books. First of all, that's amazing. I can't even imagine how much work that takes. But second, for me, I mean, that's got to be a massive time commitment. And so I, I like, to, you know, how do you, I know we can time block and do some other things to make everything happen in our lives that we want to make happen. But talk about how you, how you handled that and how did you, you know, what, and, and secondly, what drove you to put pen to paper? What was that thing inside you that said, I'm going to be an author? Well, I will say it was other people encouraging me. So the first book was a coffee table is a coffee table book contain beauty photographs, reflections and swimming pools. That was always something I wanted to have a coffee table book at my open houses and I love to travel and I love beautiful places. So I had it in my mind. I had a client. She said, all you do is talk about your kids all the time. You never talk about you. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I just live through my kids. (laughs) I love my kids. And I'm like, well, so she made me think. I said, I, I'd like to write a, a coffee table book. And I have all the idea what I want to do, but I have no idea where to start. Well, things just fell into place. She said she would handle the, we had to get, because there were photographs involved, she said she would handle a lot of the paperwork and s- signatures where we got some of these photo- photographs. And then the the thing that happened was once I put it out there, I went to a party. My daughter had just gotten gotten back from freshman year for Christmas. And so I was kind of waiting for her to come before I went to this party. And I thought the charity party was for everyone in our group. I didn't think it was, we were one of the select few invited to this Christmas party. So we showed up late thinking it was just going to be a huge, you know, we wouldn't be missed. Well, I got there, it was towards the end of the party. And I saw this person I knew who was a publisher I said, oh my God, this person was placed in front of me. I, I don't even know him. I know his wife from my charity, but I don't know him. I said, I, I was sweating. I was like, I have to go up to him. I go, I have to go say something. This is like, whether it was God or divine intervention, put him in my path as close as you are to me right now. Yeah. So I went over to him. I said, hi, Rob, my name's Debbie DiMaggio. Oh, I know who you are. My wife adores you. I go, well, I had this idea for a book and I was wondering if my, you might speak to me after the holiday. And he said, sure, give me a call in January. Well, 
I have to over plan in real estate. It's what I do innately. It just flies off. I don't have to think about it. Well, this, I, so I wrote everything out. I was very organized by the time we met at my office in January. He said, wow, this is the fastest book I've ever seen written in my life. I only, I had the outline of everything I wanted long and the short of it. He was amazing. He's a publisher. He connected me to the person who put all the photos together. I had a list of everything I wanted. I had two people who were very active and getting what I needed. And then I took a block of time off to write and it. it I had to condense very small because it wasn't going to be, it's more inspirational. And so anyway, it all happened. It was really amazing. And I spent, I was either, you know, I was doing my real estate and, and then I was very involved, you know, in getting this book published. I don't think it took but a couple months and it, it's a beautiful book. And then I had a big party where my daughter and her friends who were freshmen in college came to this party as I read my I read my speech. I was crying because I, it it was such a labor of love, and it it people couldn't understand why I'd get like I used to not be able to talk about contained beauty because I would get so I would just get welled up crying because it was what I was going through at the time. Now I'm like, oh my god, that's so crazy. But it was just it was like a therapy thing for me. It was really an amazing experience that I worked through with the empty nest. And then the second book was because that publisher. We worked with him to sell his house, and he said, oh, you have to write a real estate book. I said, oh, Rob, one day I will. I said, I don't have the time. I mean, because that's a book, a lot of writing, a lot of research, getting it exactly right, you know, making sure you don't mess up the words, and, you know, it has to be so... And he says, no, no, I'm going to send someone with you. She can attend, you know, shadow you. So what we did is this girl came with me and we'd be at a home inspection. And then I would, because I had to sit still for a couple hours. So she, I would talk and she would, uh, dict- I would dictate to her. She would write, then we'd go back and review it. And, but it took a lot of time, many nights up till two, three in the morning, just editing in the quietness and re-editing and rereading. Oh my gosh, that took a lot of work. And then from that was the art of real estate. And then a publisher saw the art of real estate out of, I think, Maine. And she called me and said, I'd like you to write 52 rules to achieve success in real estate. And I said, oh my gosh. She says, no, no, you have all the content. You have a whole book. Now we just need to really condense what you have into 52 rules. So I wrote out the 52 rules and then she had to condense, condense, condense because I could be so wordy. And that happened. And then during COVID, I I always I always want to help people, whether it's in real estate or just in life or and I have older clients too, or friends, older friends, clients that, you know. So I wrote beauty at any age because age is just an attitude. And where I'm going with that is that when you're older, you you need community. You know, it's very important. I even notice people who are divorced, they need community to be around people. So mental, spiritual, beauty secrets, whether it's getting Botox or, you know, getting facials or taking care of yourself. So I just had to write this book because it was in my head. If something comes in my head, I have to do it. I have to share. (laughs) I love that. I love that. You you know, you, you talk about your final book and I think that it ties in nicely with the fact that philanthropy is a big part of your master plan, right? Yeah, Let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. And I think yeah. I think you think every agent should should do this, right? 
Well, it's not, I, I, so when I'm coaching agents, it's different. So I've, I fell into philanthropy early at an early, well, I was just, I just had my, my kids. So I was pretty busy with young ones, but someone asked me to do something and I said, sure. And it was for the first charity I started working with. And I just loved, I loved the people. It was, people were, it wasn't, social and a like, let's just chat about what you're doing tonight. Or Mm -hmm. it was, it was very meaningful social interaction and we were doing it for a cause. So it, it, it hit my heart. So I was doing it. It was authentic and loved it and continued to work with many charities. And I'm still working today with, I was children's support league, East Bay impact for children, a number of other charities. I still work today with UCF Benioff children's hospital, Oakland. So I like it because I like the people we're like-minded. So you're working with people who want to give back, but I can't say, so when I'm coaching agents, if they like to golf or they like to cook or they like to do X, Y, or Z, they should do that because that's where they will show their authentic self. So yes, I agree. People should give back where they can and when they can. But I also think you're, when you're doing something you love, you're going to connect with people who are like-minded. So I don't want to say go do charity work because you're going to get the next deal. When I was doing charity work, I didn't think there was any, I wasn't even thinking about a deal. And then later I was like, cause I was young and I knew all these people had their own agents. And when people started calling me for business, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so, so grateful. But that's not why I did it. I did it because I was just being my authentic self. But when people see you being your authentic self, it's where you connect. Yeah. You have a you have a wonderful tagline. Follow your passion, live your purpose. Where'd that come from? When I was 25, I was before real estate. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And but one of the f- things I wrote on my list was I wanted to do something I was passionate about. I wanted to do something that was purposeful and meaningful. I wanted to interact with people from different cultures. I wanted to meet new people all the time. I didn't know that was real estate. It all ended up turning into real estate, which is really cool because I didn't say the word real estate. It was just all the components that made up what I do today. But I, and I was struggling at 25. I was engaged to be married and I was sad. And I'm like, oh my God, why am I sad? I'm engaged to be married. I don't have a wedding. I'm living in LA. It's like, you know, my husband at the to be was supporting me to get my real estate license. I'm like, but I felt so empty. And so I just don't want people to feel empty that they're, you just have to figure out what you want to do. So you don't, you might not know what it is yet, but write, write those things out of what you love in life and talk to people. I help a lot of people through my coaching, talk to a friend or a confidant. But so I, I know people, the people who do find success and are happy because they're living what they're passionate about. Tennis pros, for instance, out of one of our agents was a tennis pro. He was always so happy when he was playing tennis, you know, and he was connecting with people that were like-minded like him. So I want people to follow their passion so they can live their purpose. I coached a, a friend of mine who had been working on a book for 15 years during COVID. I said, Maritza, I am going to coach you to get this book done. It was 15 to 20 years she was working on this book. I have now, we worked together she published her book. She went on. She had never, she was afraid of Facebook group page to talk about her book. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, she is now working on her second book. She is just flying and she is a completely new person, completely new. And so it was, we got her, she'd been wanting to do this all her life and she finally did it. And now she's living her purpose and she's touching people and making a difference. Wow. Debbie, we've, uh, we've reached the end of the time that we talked about. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up with the same final question I've asked every guest going back to 2015. And that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? I always say, get and get to know your colleagues. We're colleagues, not competitors. Get to know your colleagues in your own office. Get to know your colleagues outside of your own office. Get to know your colleagues around the globe. It's very, very important for your business. Nice. Debbie, if somebody wants to reach out to you, I'm sure there's lots of ways to do that. What would you like to... <laughs> and we'll, we'll have all the links to all the things you do in the show notes, but what's a simple way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, just my name is Debbie, D-E-B-B-I, no E. So you can pretty much put in Debbie DiMaggio and you'll find me, but DebbieDiMaggio.org, CoachWithDebbie.com. And there's many others, but you'll connect through those. Yeah. This was wonderful. I, I, I really appreciate your time today. And what a wonderful story. And the DiMaggio thing is super cool. I'm just telling you. There's a lot of people that think that's super cool. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Yeah.